audio check. Now, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. Um, I am your host, Dr. Waith. We are continuing our Magellan RX series for Pharmacist Month. Thank you so much for taking the time out here. Just hearing some of the other interviews, you guys are super busy. <laughs> so it's a surprise that anyone had agreed to this. Um, so thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for it. having me. And um, we'll get into kind of your day-to-day. We're going to learn about kind of what you do, what your role is here. But um, before we do that, let's tell the listeners first just a little bit of background about who you are and, and kind of what your experiences are like before Magellan. Uh, thanks. So name is Corey Grevenitz. I, I grew up in Massachusetts, Plymouth, Mass. Uh, went to school at, at Northeastern University up in Boston. Uh, so kind of New England through and through before nice. coming down here to, to Newport, Rhode Island. And uh, I graduated in 2014 and shortly thereafter made my way down here to Newport and Magellan. Yeah, Nice. You graduated farming school in 2014? Uh, yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Nice, man. Class nice. 2014. Cool. <laughs> um, good to hear. Good to hear. So um, what were you doing before Magellan? Were you, um, like, what type of pharmacy were you, or, or did you jump straight into Magellan? I graduated the beginning of May, and I started here the Tuesday after Memorial Day. Nice. So pretty much jumped right in yeah. here in Magellan. Um, I spent about nine months in our call center. Mm-hmm. Uh, working on the different clinical programs before coming over to uh, what's now known as Magellan Method. Okay, so what is Magellan Method? So Magellan Method, we are uh, more or less the the solutions arm for for Magellan RX management and Magellan Health as a whole. Um, We are really tasked with um, developing different types of solutions for complex healthcare issues in in the managed care space. Um, And we really do that by closely interacting with different pharmaceutical manufacturers. Um, And when we develop that solution, it's really tailored towards the health plan, uh, the healthcare provider, and, and most importantly, the patients. Mm-hmm. So when you say solution, and, and this is just um, both from my understanding and yeah. hopefully the listeners, maybe, <laughs> maybe they might know, but yeah. what type of solution is it? Like, is it a software solution? Is it a clinical program? Like, what type of solution are we talking about here? So it, it really does uh, vary quite widely. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it could be anything from payer insight generations, you know, your, your kind of market research type of project. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a, a clinical program development where we will bring in um, both key opinion leaders from a clinical standpoint as well as managed care executives to build out a well-rounded program that really um, you know, takes into account both the clinical dynamics in managed care as well as some of the um, you know, economic uh, impacts that, that can be made. So um, we have a publication that we put out three times a year called the Magellan RX Report. Um, which really uh, hones in on some hot topics in, in managed care um, and really looks at, you know, if there's anything innovative being done in the space or, um, you know, where a potential gap in care may be um, and how Magellan and, and how, um, you know, the, the managed care landscape as a whole is working to address some of those gaps in care. Cool. And so what's your exact title? Uh, I am a senior clinical project manager. Okay. So I've been talking a lot actually about project management, so maybe you'll be able to also give us some insight. Um, But so what is it that you, I guess, what's your day-to-day like, like being a project manager? um, What is your day-to-day usually like? You walk in, smell some coffee, possibly (laughs) drink it. Yep. And then... uh, (laughs) That's definitely step one. Uh, Coffee is very important. But 
Um, you know, typical day is, um, you know, working on, on the projects we have underway. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's uh, kind of built in with helping our business development folks go out there and, and find where uh, there may be some opportunities for us to engage with different manufacturers as well. Um, but um, you know, majority of my work really is executing on those projects, um, whether it be developing the clinical program, um, you know, executing on it with our call center or, or any other teams we're working with, um, developing our discussion guides for the market research projects, or then taking those insights that we've generated them and translating them all around into a deliverable um, for our client. Okay. And do you have, like, being a project manager, do you have a project management tool that you, like, prefer, like, to keep on task, for, like, day-to-day? Because -day? I feel like most pharmacists are used to, like, a clinical setting yep. um, where it's usually, you know, pretty, um, what's the lack of better words, like, repetitive, mm -hmm. I would say. So there's yeah. not much change to the day. It's usually very structured. But I feel like when you when you jump into the, when you, when you get past clinical practice, you're in that project manager mm -hmm. role. Your every day is so different. There's so much task going on and all this stuff. How are you keeping it all managed and, and on task? Our, our team is looking into some different project management software. Mm -hmm. um, but right now we are a bit of a Magellan method is, you know, a bit smaller than, you know, Magellan Health being, um, you know, what, close to 10,000 employees or something mm -hmm. like that. We're 12 employees. Gotcha. Here. Um, so we're a pretty close knit, tight knit group. Um, you know, we, we regroup on a weekly or sometimes even twice weekly basis to, to discuss what's going on and what needs to be accomplished. But, you know, right now it really is, you know, relying on yourself to kind of understand what the priorities are, um, you know, what needs to be executed today, this week, you know, and, and kind of making sure that I'm keeping lists of my own, to-do lists of my own, stuff like that, um, to really make sure you, you stay on top of things. Yeah, cool. And um, I use Trello. So okay. that's like my thing. I, I, okay. I mean, recently uh, having to kind of take on a lot of different project management roles and, and um, keeping things on task. For me, that's been like my favorite, yeah. uh, my favorite thing to do, but to use, I, I should yeah. say. But um, so let I, I want to learn more about like maybe because uh, a lot of listeners right now, they're either a student mm -hmm. or they're potentially a pharmacist, maybe even looking to like not be in that traditional role as a pharmacist. Sure. So. What advice would you give or, or what would you say like people, what type of qualities would you say that people need to have to really be in a role like yours um, to do that effectively? So in Magellan Method, you know, we're typically dealing with new to market therapies or, you know, disease states where traditionally there weren't, you know, therapeutic options available. But now, you know, there's new market entrants and, you know, it goes well beyond the, the typical things you learn or the disease states you learn about in pharmacy school. So you know, it really does take a dedication to continue learning every day um, and really think on your feet because you're going out there and trying to develop solutions to gaps in care that exist in the real world. Um, so it, it really is going beyond what's currently available, um, you know, understanding where those gaps are and then really thinking collaboratively with your clients, with your downstream partners, um, you know, our, our staff here internally um, to really think of how can we really address this gap in care, um, you know, improve quality of care for, for patients, and then hopefully, um, you know, when, when all the stars align, drive down costs as well. Yeah. So being that you are providing, because it seems like in a, in a role like yours, you really have to think a lot outside the box. Like yep. you, you, there, a lot of times it's even creating things that just have not existed before. Mm -hmm. 
based on certain needs that you might find. Right. Having always having that mindset, have you have you kind of wrapped your mind around as as to like what you think pharmacy is really going to look like in the future, mm-hmm. and and um, whether it be like in the managed care setting or just pharmacy in general, like do you have like an opinion as to like what you how you really seen things move towards yeah. in pharmacy? Yeah, I mean it's obviously tough to to predict the future yeah. um, too much, but you know I think I left my crystal ball at home. So <laughs> I, I think the the advances that are that are being made, whether it's gene therapies or you know, some of these other products that are coming onto the market are, are really remarkable in, in what they're able to accomplish as far as clinical outcomes go. Um, but I think what we're seeing as far as trends go is the cost of, of these products continues to rise. Um, so really evaluating that, um, you know, I don't know, not only the clinical piece of it, but the, the financial piece of it is that, you know, cost associated with a certain therapy really going to translate into a quality outcome as far as care and, and clinical outcomes go. Mm-hmm. So really for me, that's that's a big piece of it. Um, you know, when we do some sort of health economics uh, outcomes project and, and we're looking at, um, you know, the cost of care associated with a clinical outcome, we really want to make sure we're looking at not only the pharmacy spend or not only the medical spend, uh, but the total cost of care, you know, what is the total cost of care of that patient? And, you know, if we are going to increase spend on the, under the pharmacy benefit, um, you know, by initiating a new therapy for a patient, can we demonstrate some offsets on the medical benefit side by maybe reducing hospitalizations or ER visits or, or things like that? So, I mean, I think in the future moving forward, it's going to, you know, become incredibly important to, to not only look at you know, these great advances we're making in the pharmacy world, um, but accounting for the costs and helping to drive down those costs as well. So one interesting thing about your role and kind of just hearing you talk about some of these things, it doesn't sound like you're, you have like a traditional, not, not obviously most of the roles here at Magellan are not really traditional, but like mm-hmm. there's no, it almost sounds like there's no beeline to say, all right, I want to do that. Right. And like you go directly to that. But what would be the closest thing that, what would be the closest position that you say is like an official position that you might be aware of that people can start taking steps towards or I guess ask differently what, what I'm tr- the answer the question I'm trying to get out <laughs> here is what can people do now whether they're a student or a pharmacist practicing to get to a role like yours yeah. let's say they, they've, they've kind of heard the description of like what you do mm-hmm. And um, they're like, man, I, that sounds like something I couldn't really know what it was, but it sounds like that's what I really want to yeah. do. What would they be, need to do now in their current role t- to try to get to a position like that? Other than the general like networking and things like that, like what is it that they would be able to do? I think Trump, God, Trump just texted us. Yeah, is that the 218 this PM? Is a test. <laughs> <laughs> Why 218? Was that? I don't know. I heard this morning on the radio that that's when it was going to... Um. It's such a random number. I'm sure there's some significance that we're just not, I'm just not smart enough to understand it, but I'm glad we got that on the podcast. So, (laughs) Uh, because I was like, that's not a normal vibrate. And I was like, it's the president. I know. Trump is texting Um, me anyway. But yeah, anyways, to to get to your question, um, really, you know, going back four and a half years or so ago now, when I was coming towards the end of, you know, my sixth year of school at Northeastern, I had no idea I'd be here. I had, you know, really no idea that that this field existed. So, um, you know, one of the things I, I precept API students for, for the University of Rhode Island and Northeastern University. So one of the things that 
I always tell them is, is really just broaden your horizons. Um, you know, managed care is something that really, you know, at least when I was in school, was really not touched upon much. It was so focused on the, on the clinical um, and not much the managed care aspect. So when we bring them in, it really is kind of a crash course in, in managed care. So, I mean, to, to all the students that, that listen to this podcast, you know, I'd really just encourage them to, to try and explore and, and find that managed care experience. Um, you know, even when I came down here and, and started out in our call center, um, you know, just really learning that, you know, it does go beyond what you're learning in a retail or a community setting or a hospital setting. Um, there are different options out there. I know personally, um, you know, I didn't want to go into retail. I didn't want to go into hospital pharmacy. I wasn't really sure, um, you know, if a fellowship or, or a residency was was the right path for me. Um, and this opportunity presented itself. So, um, you know, it is kind of something that I, I think is a little less known when you're in the pharmacy school. I, I feel like so many students nowadays are are pushed towards, you know, doing a residency or feel that they need to do a residency. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's it's not always necessary. Um, you know, our, our call center here in, in Newport or, or the Middletown office now has, you know, so many pharmacists that have come out of a retail setting and um, you know, have come over here without any type of residency or without any type of fellowship. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there definitely are opportunities out there. Um, it just, you know, sometimes takes a little digging and uncovering to, to find. Um, I know personally, I, I found this through a friend, you know, yeah. so it, it really was kind of just word of mouth. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to throw you a curveball question here. Yeah. You get, I'm going to give you unlimited budget. Okay. Not in real life though. Yeah. But I'm going to give you a limited budget <laughs> <laughs> and you are able to come up with some solution or process that you can sell or help other customers at. What is that project going to entail? So we always start with data. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start and end with data. And that's really how we measure the impact of our solution that we develop. Um, so, I mean, that, that budget would go a long way towards securing a lot of that data um, to be able to analyze and, and find out what type of gap in care um, you know, we want to go after where, um, you know, some opportunities exist. Um, and then I'd, you know, like to go out and gather together, you know, whatever disease state that may be in some of the most, you know, world renowned key opinion leaders, um, you know, as far as, uh, clinical expertise go, bring them into a room, bring in managed care, bring in your regulatory agencies, whoever else may be impacting access to care, mm-hmm. um, and really work to develop, you know, something, some type of solution that, you know, really advances patient care. Um, and, and, you know, oftentimes I think one of the aspects of that that goes unnoticed is the behavioral health um, aspects of, of any disease state, really. Any chronic disease, there is some type of um, you know, behavioral health impact there, mm-hmm. um, whether it be an oncology diagnosis or, you know, whatever that may be. Um, I think that's something that we see does not get enough attention all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so really being able to help the patients, um, you know, not only address their, that diagnosis that they have, you know, we'll call it their primary diagnosis, but be able to help them with what comes along with that you know, the financial impact, the impact it can have on their behavioral health, things like that. So um, really to be able to create that well-rounded, holistic approach and solution to, to their care. It's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the other 
um, interviews earlier, we had touched on how part of the clinical, the specialty care programs involve behavioral health mm-hmm. um, aspects of it. Right. And, you know, it's funny that you bring it up again. And, uh, and I'm thinking that <clears throat> I'm hoping that it's going to start getting the attention it deserves because it really is something that we don't generally think about. You know, e- even just, let's say, blood pressure. Let's say, right. you know, beyond the craziness of all other types of disease states that people can get. But someone gets diagnosed with diabetes, even, let's say, like the 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 mental health that changes with them or the, the way that they're thinking about life, like all that stuff kind of changes. They get self-conscious about things, right. whether, even issues in, in the social settings with other people, whether it be with dieting and things like that. Like it's just such an interesting thing to think about. And I hope, you know, especially providers out there are really starting to pay more attention to that say, Hey, yeah. like the patient didn't get, <clears throat> just get diagnosed with Crohn's disease or something. Like yeah. there's also going to be stuff that's going to come along from a mental health standpoint to be, yeah. to be aware of that. So it's a super interesting thing that you brought up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons why the majority of the programs that, that we run do have that patient component. You know, we're not just working behind the scenes with their provider or with their health plan. We want to engage them directly in their care and make sure we're understanding how this is impacting them. Um, you know, all of our pharmacists and, and technicians and nurses and, and everyone who's reaching out on the phones, you know, they're all trained at least to some extent in motivational interviewing and understanding, um, you know, really what is the patient's satisfaction with their care and, you know, what may be impacting them. You know, we run a lot of adherence programs, which at, you know, a high level, they look pretty simple. You know, we're really just looking to get these patients to be compliant to their chronic therapies. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you actually dive into it, you really have to start to understand that there are a lot of different factors from, you know, potentially a behavioral health standpoint that can impact simple things like adherence. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it is something that impacts, you know, just about everybody. So, yeah. Well, a lot of good stuff in this episode, and I hope people uh, got some good value. I sure did. I feel pretty enlightened as to especially what Magellan Method is doing. And um, if anyone wants to kind of follow up with you or, or connect with you or just kind of continue the conversation, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, LinkedIn is is probably the easiest. I, I can almost guarantee I'm the only Corey Grevenitz out there. Okay. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, email is, is probably the easiest way. Okay. So I'll, I'll link that up in the show notes um, below. So if anyone wants to reach out, they can. Corey, thank you so much. Really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. First of all, thank you so much uh, for being a listener, for being a subscriber and taking in all the content that we're putting out. And I really want to thank the folks over at Magellan RX for making this happen, uh, both to the pharmacist that uh, we interviewed in the series and also the marketing team over at Magellan. I really do appreciate you guys for uh, really making this come to life uh, for, uh, for October Pharmacist Month. And uh, if you want to learn more about Magellan, what they're doing, visit them at MagellanRx.com. I'm going to link their uh, website information in the show notes below. And, uh, you know, if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely make sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on any of your favorite social media platforms, uh, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, We're on all those. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.